you know, I, I always kind of look for fresh sign, you know, scat. If there's a mud puddle nearby or a ditch or whatever, I always check those just to see. And that will tell me what's what's around anyway, if there's deer tracks or coyote, whatever. But I always check those for, for footprints. Lots of times where I live, I will just sit and listen because I'll hear bear stomping around or tearing into the brush or doing something lots of times well before I see them. In the winter, the sap runs down to the roots and kind of hangs out. And then in the spring when it heats up, that sugary sap comes out of the roots up into the tree, into the cambium layer of the tree. And the cambium layer is kind of underneath the bark and between the main wood, it's this thin layer that where that sap kind of travels, almost like a blood system, but not quite. And bear will strip the bark down and then scrape that cambium thin layer of wood underneath the bark off to eat that sap that's coming up. And when they strip those trees, as you can imagine, not every time, but lots of times, it ends up killing those trees. And so the trees I'm talking about is if you take your hands and you make a C with both of your hands and then you put those together, about that size of a tree, and then you spread it out a couple inches, those are about the size of the trees that you're looking for. Try to add some soul to it. So don't just put it in your mouth and blow on the thing a little bit. You know, you want to add some bravado to it. You want to have it really kind of start out low and whimpering and then you know as the set progresses get more and more aggressive you know like it's getting ripped apart and then right near the end of the set just either trail off like it's you know whimpering and dying out or just you know absolutely stop just add variation to it add like it's it's an animal getting ripped apart i would just encourage everybody no matter what state you're in no matter what providence you're in you know really be vocal and stand up and pay attention to what is going on in your area as far as hunting rights, fishing rights, because we have got to start mobilizing. Welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast. I'm going into my 15th year of podcasting. Can't believe it's been that long. I want to thank you all for helping me keep this fresh and staying motivated to bring you new content, etc. It hasn't been easy, but uh, it helps me fuel my own passion for hunting. Speaking of helping me keep this going, please go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags and use promo code John Stallone, all one word, to save 20%. And lastly, if you could, go to Howlful Wildlife and become a member. We have partnered with Go Hunt, so now you could get your cake and eat it too. What, I, what do I mean by this? Well, you can go to Go Hunt, and if you look at their insider full subscription, it's $149. And... With the Insider, you get the Explorer as well. So we have both packages. But Explorer is is their mapping software. And it's completely dedicated just to hunting. You know, it's got the public and private land boundaries, offline maps, 3D, point tracker. And all the Western states are included. It's a, it's a great tool. So you get that. Plus, with the Insider, you get... The advanced filtering and search tools, industry-leading draw odds, unit profiles, and uh, easy-to-read state regulation overviews, and species profiles, and expert insights, and all this exclusive content, plus monthly giveaways. So the Go Hunt Insider subscription is an awesome deal, right? But it's $149 a year. And if you've been on the fence and didn't know you, if you wanted to spend that $149. Let me tell you, it's really worth it, but we're going to make it even sexier for you because if you come to Howlful Wildlife's site and you go to our membership portal and purchase a Insider or a Explorer package, you not only get a free subscription, 
to go hunt and get all those awesome benefits that we talked about but you get all the benefits of becoming a howl for wildlife member and that includes our discounts with our partners 20 percent or more with our partners you are automatically included in the howl for wildlife giveaway monthly giveaways for gear and hunt giveaways for the year plus as a 501c3 your portion of your membership is tax deductible and you're helping out a great cause alpha wildlife is out there advocating for the hunter and helping educate the non-hunting public so that uh, we can keep doing this for for perpetuity here and so our kids and our grandkids can enjoy it and uh, it's a really great system and we're super thankful that uh, go hunt jumped on board with us and um, it's a great way to support Halfa Wildlife. It's a great way to get awesome tools that you will use. I use Go Hunt Insider all the time. I've been a member for a very long time, and it's how I get a lot of my tags by doing the research through there. And now you're getting extra stuff with it. So it's a great, great system. So go check it out. Become a member today. And uh, let's roll into this next episode. Thanks. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today we have uh, Douglas Bose with us on. We're going to talk a little bear hunting. Hopefully get you guys excited about the upcoming uh, spring bear season, or, or at least where we still have it anyway, <laughs> in places that we still have it. Um, so anyway, what's going on, man? How you been? Good. Fine. Thank you. How are you? I can't complain. Weather's Appreciate good. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't you give us a little rundown about yourself and what you do? So, yeah, so I, I was born and raised in Washington. I've been hunting since I was about 12 years old. I'm 46 now, so I've got some seasons under my belt. You know, I, currently I hunt just about anything that walks, uh, elk, bear, deer, cougar, coyote, anything. Not much of a waterfowl hunter, but that's not because I have anything against it. I just don't happen to do it. Family man, I've got uh, one stepson, wife, you know, uh, middle class, blue collar. Uh, mm -hmm. I've written a couple books, as your listeners probably know, No Bait Just Bears, and then um, The Ultimate Guide to Black Bear Hunting. You've got some apps out there, like predator calling apps. It's called The Ultimate Predator Calls app. Turns your iPhone with a Bluetooth speaker into a electronic caller. Um, cool. Yeah. So, you know, just a standard guy, written a couple books and hopping around on podcasts trying to get word word out on the, the joys of bear hunting and what's going on in washington yeah yeah for sure so you know I, i'm kind of like you i guess I, I i hunt mostly big game and i used to hunt waterfowl but i uh i kind of stopped because i figured i only get so many get out of date get out of jail free cards you know and yeah. uh if I was going to, if I was going to use one, it was going to be for something else. But I, I, I used to really enjoy it. I still have, you know, freaking decoys and all that shit, but yeah, I don't know. I don't bird hunt. I don't, you know, I, I turkey hunt, but that's, but that's different. Um, yeah, I don't do any wing shooting at all anymore. Really. I've been turkey hunting once and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, but I, I really got to get out and try that again. That was a lot of fun. I just started getting really back into it in the last couple of years, really last two years. Exactly. Huh. Cause I had made a pact with my wife originally, like, you know, I'm gone so much in the fall and the winter that 
you know, spring and summer. Well, summer I really can't because I also own a swimming pool company and I'm like tied to this place in the summertime. But in the spring, I try not to travel. So, you know, if I drew a tag here in Arizona once every couple of years, eh, you know, and we don't have the greatest turkey hunting here. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I don't know, my son took an interest in turkey hunting last year. So I kind of got into that and, you know, I hadn't been hunting in the spring very often was where, we, you know, where I was leading with this. And so I haven't really even done spring bear in, in quite some time. My bear hunting is usually in the fall now, but I, uh, I'm not going to draw this year or, or didn't draw this year for spring bear, but I, I have enough points to draw a tag here in Arizona next year. And I'm considering putting in for a spring bear hunt and, and going again. It's been a long time. I've, I've done mostly calling when I spring bear hunt here and that's, it's been really good for me. I've called in quite a few bear and, uh, I enjoy hunting that way. I'm an avid predator hunter. So like, it just makes sense for me. You know, no, but, you, you and me both, man. I, I'm glad to talk to a fellow uh, air caller. Yeah, awesome. Good. So anyway, my first question to you is what are some of the things that you're doing to choose the area that you're going to be hunting in? Well, hunting or calling. And for me, that's kind of one and the same. So, you know, I, I always kind of look for fresh sign you know, scat, if there's a mud puddle nearby or a ditch or whatever, I always check those just to see. And that will tell me what's, what's around anyway, if there's deer tracks or coyote, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I always check those for, for footprints. Lots of times where I live, I will just sit and listen because I'll hear bear stomping around or tearing into the brush or doing something lots of times well before I see them. But I've talked about this before in other things, but other podcasts, but I look for places that look bearish to me. And when I say bearish, it looks like it holds bear. So like if you're a bass fisherman and mm -hmm. there's a submerged log in the, in a lake, you know, that's a likely place where a bass will probably hang out. Right. So that's like a bass spot. And so, you know, as you progress in your bear hunting career and stuff, you're going to notice those places. You're going to become more and more familiar with the type of terrain and, and, areas bear like and and um so for example i was on a spring bear hunt i hadn't drawn the tag but a, a friend of mine's son had and we went out to try to find him a bear and we come to this draw and on the it was a clear cut and then on the other side there was some trees that were the right age for stripping and a couple of open patches i was like man i'm sure there's a bear you know close by close enough to where if we stay here we're going to see something he's like well all right let's you know i'm going to walk my son down you know 100 yards this way and and um we can predator call or something see what happens he only got like 40 yards from me and a bear came out that had been stripping trees and then just walked in that you know open area and he didn't end up taking a shot it was a little farther shot than what the son was comfortable with but the point is is like it was an area that looked bearish to me. Can and so really I'm looking for like okay. kind of um, brushy areas, draws, creeks, and specifically areas I can climb up and get a, a good view, like a stump pile, something that's semi-protective for my back, that type of stuff. Okay. Could you paint a better picture as to what, well, let, let's back up. Let's before you even go to the field. Do you have like a formula that you look at, like when you're looking on Google Earth or you know Onyx or one of these you know mapping software or 
you know, topos or anything like that, you know, let's say you're going out of state and you never put boots on the ground there. What are some, do you, do you have a, a formula for what you, some of the things that you're looking for? If I'm going out of state hunting bear, I'm definitely paying attention to creeks, any sort of drainage, brushy areas, because, you know, if, the, if there's water in a, in a draw, there's likely brush and bear like brush and brush leads to food mm-hmm. and other animals and stuff like that. So, you know, I might, I might avoid big wide open spaces for sure, mm-hmm. but I will definitely pay attention to those nasty draws, the kind of steep, rugged terrain stuff. That's hard to get into a little bit. So yeah, I would, I would definitely pay attention to those. And you know, it, it, it really depends on what state you're going to because it, Every state and even even within the states, it can change from region to region what the bear are eating. Right. Um, but, you know, that's the most important thing with, with bears. It seems to be food. They're, they seem to always be looking for food unless it's the rut. And so the big thing for people, new bear hunters and stuff, is to try to figure out what they are eating that time of year within that state. Mm-hmm. So as that would be something you contact a biologist or something. Yeah, local, you know, you can, you can contact a biologist, a game warden, hop on the local, you know, like Washington, we have a website called huntingwashington.com where, you know, it's just a group of Washington hunters, basically. And so mm-hmm. you can hop on any sort of website like that and try to figure out, hey, what are they eating? What's, what are they hitting up? Or ask the question. Most people are pretty, pretty good about helping out new hunters if you're, if you're humble and not looking for a honey spot, just want to get a little language. Right. Well, yeah. Exactly. You mentioned the rut before I, I want to get too far away from that. When is typically the, the bear breeding season? To my knowledge, uh, Major, it's, it's uh, about June, uh, mid, mid-May to June mm-hmm. and a little bit beyond. So I could be wrong. I'm not a biologist. I've only had the spring bear tag a couple of times and both of those, I, I got a bear stripping trees. But to my knowledge, it's like mid-May to mid-June. Gotcha. No, so I, now this is the third time I've heard you, you mentioned stripping trees. Would you explain that to us? Because yeah, so in in Washington and in the Pacific Northwest, Douglas fir and, and other types of trees, in the winter, the sap runs down to the roots and kind of hangs out, and then in the spring when it heats up, that sugary sap comes mm-hmm. out of the roots up into the tree, into the cambium layer of the tree, and the cambium layer is kind of underneath the bark. And between the main wood, it's this thin layer that where that sap kind of travels, almost like a blood system, but not quite. Right. And bear will strip the bark down and then scrape that cambium thin layer of wood underneath the bark off to eat that sap that's coming up. And that's an early calorie that they can get to. And when they strip those trees, as you can imagine, not every time, but lots of times it ends up killing those trees. And mm-hmm. so the trees I'm talking about is if you take your hands and you make a C with both of your hands and you put those together about that size of a tree and then you spread it out a couple inches, th- those are about the size of the trees that you're looking for. So like, you know, five, 10, 10 year old trees. And gotcha. as you're walking along, you can, you can see it. They strip it right down lots of times, right down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And you can see their teeth marks that go up and down the, the tree. There's, you know, there's pictures of it in my book. There's pictures of it online. <laughs> So that's a, a locally, that's a telltale sign of spring bear action. Right. What are some other telltale signs you're looking for, obviously, other than tracks and scat? Well, they're, you know, you, you need to figure out what they're eating. So around here, too, 
Um, there, after those fresh green shoots, fresh green grass, I will check swampy areas for skunk cabbage. And skunk cabbage is like, it almost looks like a cabbage, hence the name. Right. And it's got a real long, broad leaf on it, like three foot long by about a foot wide. And, it, you know, if you tear into it, it kind of stinks like a skunk. Well, mm-hmm. bear will sit there and they'll eat that. And so I'll look for, you know, marks on skunk cabbage to see if they're working those areas. But really, it's just scat tracks, peeled trees. And, uh, and yeah, that's what I'm looking for in the spring. Okay. So once you've kind of uh, determined this is an area that you want to hunt, what's your system or what's your ideas? How do you figure out how you're going to hunt it? Let's put it that way. Depends a lot on the brush. So I, I really avoid... Around here, I avoid like fresh, clean cut areas, areas that, you know, were cut this year, maybe last year, and they don't have a lot of brush yet. Mm-hmm. I like to look for older cuts, three, four years where the brush is coming up, where it's it's thick enough to where I can still kind of see through it, but it provides food and cover for the bear. And so those areas, I might work like a tree line. I might walk that tree line really slow between the cut and the, and the trees itself, the mature stands. Now I'll kind of look for scat or something in between there to see if bears are working it. If it's thick and I think that there's bear in there, I will hang out and listen and watch to see if I can't find one feeding. Or I will, if I get bored, and lots of times I do, I'll start predator calling. Okay. I'll hop up on a log jam or rocky outcrop, anything like that, and predator call for an hour plus and then see what happens. So you, you call for an hour straight. Okay. Yeah. And when I say straight, like I'm not blowing on the thing 100% of the time for an hour. Got it. But I, I'm making noise, you know, for several minutes, pausing for 30 seconds to a minute, listening to see if I can hear anything coming in and then starting it back up. And then I'll hang out for another 15, 20 minutes after I'm done calling to see if anything shows up. Right, right, right. Now, it's been my experience with, with Bear that the second, at least here in Arizona, I haven't really done it anywhere else, but... The second you start stop calling, they usually stop coming here. I don't know. Obviously, that doesn't sound like that's the case up there. Uh, I, no, I would agree. I would agree with that. Okay. So I will very often um, relate predator calling to playing with a cat. You know, if you get a string and you're playing with the cat and the cat's all interested in it, you stop moving that string and that cat's almost instantly disinterested. It doesn't care. Right. You start moving that string again and the cat's right back at it. It's the same way with bear calling. Okay. When you're making that noise, the bear are coming in, and when you stop, the bear sits down or, you know, just kind of gets disinterested. And then you start back up again, and then it starts walking towards you. And that's the whole point of calling for an hour plus. If 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 I'm calling down into a, a, a gully or a valley, you have to think to yourself, hey, how far is this sound carrying out? Uh-huh. And if it's across the valley, how long is it going to take that bear to walk from point A to point B to where I can shoot? You know, it might take it a while. It might come running in and it might, you know, show up within five minutes or it might take an hour plus as it meanders in. So I've, I've had both instances happen. Right. Now, um, let's, I guess, let's little talk specifically about the way you're calling. What type of sound are you using? Are you just blowing on like a rabbit call or what do you fall in the stress? I, I carry kind of an assortment of calls. I mean, I usually have like two in my pack. I always got some in my car or something, but I always tell people, hey, at least throw one in your pack. Um, you never know when you can use it. And I, it ranges from 
from um, cottontail to jackrabbit to coyote distress. I've got uh, pig squallers. Um, yeah. I've even got a, a coon squall. Anything that's loud and obnoxious that can carry a ways, I like to use. And I like to create scenarios in my head. So I, I got this idea from Randy Anderson, the great Randy Anderson of calling all coyotes, who originally got me into predator calling. And he always suggested on his videos to create scenarios in your head, like, hey, maybe this deer is, you know, got its leg caught in a fence and some coyotes are yipping and howling around it. So incorporating predator calling with maybe some coyote howls or yips or something to that effect, I have found pretty effective. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of, um, I call it creating the illusion. I've been talking about that for God forever and ever. I started talking about it when, when I, uh, got into calling white tailed deer and you know, this is definitely not directly related to bear hunting cause you're not going to use this tactic, but you're going to, when I tell the story here, you're going to understand the, what I'm, what I'm getting at. So like, you know, I had some success with using a grunt tube. I've had some success with, you know, rattling antlers, but that's only like two pieces of the puzzle. And an animal that's been around a long time is expecting to hear other things. Like so Absolutely. when two deer are fighting, they're making a ruckus in the leaves and the branches are breaking and this and that. So all that stuff has got to be there, you know, and I so I, I took that same idea and I started doing that with my, with my predator calling too. And, and at times now I use almost primarily use a electronic caller. I mean, I cheat. So, but, um, you know, I created my own sounds and they have those little axillary things going on. And the, the Fox pro that I use is a, a fusion and I can interject other sounds while I'm playing the main sound, but yeah, I would imagine that's the same for, you know, calling with bear. Although I don't know that I did that. That's been a while since I called the bear and it's been a while since I had that tag too. So, but I did key in on something you said loud and obnoxious. I found that the higher pitch, the more obnoxious the sound is, the better I had an opera, you know, more answers I got back, so to speak, the more, more, yeah, more. More, more responses and um that's definitely a correlation that i've heard from several really good bear hunters that that is definitely a thing and you would think like using like a you know cow or calf elk distress or deer you know fawn ball or whatever that that would make more sense because we all know they were kind of wreak havoc on you know, that population. But for some reason, that's not, that's not what I've gotten responses with. <laughs> the the very first bear I called in, I got off of, of a calf call and I was trying to call in a bull elk that was across this canyon. Um, because that was all I had on me, but, uh, right. but no, you, you're right. You know, and, and what I want to point out too is for, for new predator callers, you know, sometimes I, I talk to a lot of people. They're like, oh, you know, I, I sound horrible. It doesn't sound right, blah, blah, oh, blah. No. Like, man, don't worry about sounding perfect. It's not like you're trying to do an elk bugle or something. You are just trying to raise that predator response, the, the interest of the bear to come and see what's going on. So you, you don't have to sound perfect. 
I never really try to sound exactly what like I think a rabbit would sound like. I just, you know, kind of yeah. go for it. Yeah, just and, get, but, just start wailing and, on it loud and, and obnoxious, like you said. <laughs> yeah, and you know, try to add some soul to it. So don't just put it in your mouth and blow on the thing a little bit. You know, you want to add some bravado to it. You want to have it really kind of start out low and whimpering, and then you know, as the set progresses get more and more aggressive you know like it's getting ripped apart and then right near the end of the set just either trail off like it's like it's you know whimpering and dying out or just you know absolutely stop just add variation to it add like it's it's an animal getting ripped apart um or stuck or whatever it might be lonely lost so when uh do you have like a i know for me when i'm predator calling especially if i'm bow hunting um predator calling I'm I'm very particular about my setup. Are you, you know, I obviously you got to deal with what what you're given in an area. But are you looking for certain way to set up when you call, like to direct, so to speak, a bear to come in where you want it to come in, or yeah, uh, sometimes. So. Let me think, you know, what's, what's the good examples? Lots of times I'll call down in, uh, into a cut and then into a tree line. Cause I think there could be bear hanging out in there, staying cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I prefer no to little wind if at all possible. Uh, if there is a wind, I want the wind at my back. So my shooting lane, so the, the wind is going down my shooting lane basically. Okay. Um, and that whole strategy is once again, based on randy anderson he does the same thing with coyotes and i've found that to be true predators they'd like to circle you and so right you know if a bear's if a bear's coming in and the wind is blowing in my face that bear might circle all the way to my back smell me and then bone out right but if or or attack you <laughs> or, yeah or, or attack which i've had bear real close or you know if it's if it's blown at my back he could easily try to circle and walk into that shooting lane and that's what you're you know that's the whole idea right right exactly i don't do to the back i'm a perpendicular guy i always have the wind coming across me one way and, or the other. and i i would I, that's the kind of the way so if i if i don't have wind or very little that's the way i actually prefer it mm-hmm. um but sometimes there's a spot that i just want to call and i'm like all right whatever i'm going to see what happens and and almost sometimes regardless of the wind i'm just going to call it just to call it you know right right but yeah i, I would agree with that statement for sure and you mentioned you like to have protection at your back somehow or another. So, are you looking just looking for structures or, you know, trees or deadfall or all the above, whatever? Anything. So, you know, sometimes I'll I'll snuggle up against a um, an old stump. Uh huh. So you know, nothing's going to get to my back. It has to come to my sides. On uh, log jams and stuff, if something's coming in, I'm definitely going to hear it because half the time the log jams are covered in brush and sticks and and you know, something's going to make noise prior to getting to me. Right, right. At least that's the idea. And if worse comes to worse, anyway. <laughs> I will at least have some thick brush or something behind me again to give me some sort of indication that something's coming in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've never got jumped. I've had bobcats almost jump in my lap. I've had things real close behind me. Some I couldn't see, some I didn't see, but somebody else did. So what? no, you know, no scars yet, but it could happen. My uh, my hunting partner and my, I guess business partner, with uh, Alpha Wildlife is uh, is Charles Whitwam. And last year he was turkey calling for clients, and he had a mountain lion come into like three feet. 
he had to yeah. jump up and he didn't have any gun. He had to jump up and like, you know, scare it and yell and yell and because it was it was one leap away from it. Like he saw it bound and then it was going to take one more bound. And, yeah. I, I was predator calling one time and and uh, for bear and uh, bobcat wasn't open yet and I was calling into a clear cut with a tree line and and, oh, and it was about forty five minute mark and all I saw was just like movement and eyes and i just swung my barrel toward that movement and in that instant it stopped right at the end of the barrel and it was a bobcat oh wow and i thought dude no one's gonna believe me if you know i don't get a photo of this or something so i slowly reached into my pocket and the thing kind of started to walk away a little bit but i got my camera out and i filmed it and it was right at the end of my barrel and it just kind of turns and looks at me and then runs down the hill but yeah that thing almost jumped in my lap <sighs> nuts that's crazy so I would imagine in Washington, spotting like actual glassing for bears is probably not that viable since there's not a whole lot of open. Well, at least not on the coast. I guess on the eastern part of the state, there's plenty. Well, so the cool thing about Washington, despite the political aspect of the state, there's there's a lot of stuff here that varies. I mean, we have rainforests. Alpine meadows, you know, mm -hmm. desert. We have a variety of like everything, and so even where I am. Down low, yeah, it's thick. But if you get up into the alpine meadows where the blueberries and stuff are, it's glassing is very viable. Okay. Um, in eastern Washington too, it's pretty arid. It's wide open in spots, you know, with uh, clusters of pines and stuff. And so glassing can be very productive. Lots of times when I'm glassing for bear, I just find myself watching them half the time. Predator calling just kind of seems to be the way I like to do things. But you know, it doesn't hurt to know kind of where bear are and to formulate a, a plan from that. But Right. Yeah, I've um, – I personally like to – if I could spot them, obviously if I spot them and I'm within range and I got a rifle, I'll, I don't need to do this. But when I'm bow hunting or whatever, if we spot them, then – we can call them in, you know, like, I feel like, yeah. you know, if you know a, a bear is there, then, or a bear is close or within earshot, then you have a really good chance of calling them in. Actually, um, I kind of, uh, I had uh, met Wayne Carlton some years ago and oh yeah, we were talking about it and he's like, listen, you know, all you need to do is I was getting ready to go on a bear hunt. And then he's like, all you need to do is, uh, you know, walk around, hike through the woods, cover as many miles. And then as soon as you come across fresh bear sign, set up and start calling. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And that kind of, I, I adapted that and that became my strategy for a very long time until I, you know, learned some other things, but, um, that worked out great. Like, like I felt like every time I came across a fresh pile of scat, we got one to respond. And uh, I was like, yeah, this is, I mean, we had to put a lot of friggin' miles on <laughs> the boots to find that, uh, especially here. But uh, I think now, I mean, I still prefer to call, but I think now the preferred method, just because it tend to find more bears has been just straight up glassing and arizona's like you know built for glassing um, yeah oh yeah arizona i could so. definitely see and for for your listeners who don't know wayne carlton he has a dvd out called uh they come to eat and yeah. it's a it's a bear predator I've, calling i've watched video. it he's with his bear spray and all that 
Oh yeah, it's it's insane. <laughs> he's the a, guy is the guy's a legend. <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty yeah. awesome. And yeah. He, yeah, he's pretty nice too. Like I even I pinged him when I was writing Ultimate Guide, and I was like, "Hey, I'm writing this book. Would you be interested in contributing?" And I I was like a complete nobody then, which I still am now, but I've been on a few podcasts. And he's like, "Yeah, man, I'd be happy to." So he actually contributed a little bit to the book too. And that's awesome. It, out of the kindness of his heart. It's not something he had to do. So it was very yeah, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's a great man. Um, I've, uh, ever since then I've had plenty of, I've had him on the podcast a couple of times too. He's, uh, a wealth of knowledge and I mean, he loves calling stuff and he'll call, yeah, every, he'll call everything. <laughs> you know? if, I, if I could meet him and Randy Anderson, I'd be, I'd be set. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to meet Randy Anderson, but I did see, I don't know. He's got a bunch of DVDs out too, right? He's got a ton through Primos, but then when um, YouTube and stuff kind of got big, mm-hmm. they kind of quit doing the videos so much because it just you know wasn't right. I don't it's think, not, not a business. Yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody buys DVDs anymore. So right? yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you if you had any like really cool bear hunting stories, or you know, one that you had like. Uh, I don't know. I hate to say aha moment, but aha moment where maybe you learn something about bear hunting and it's kind of changed the way you bear hunt from since then. Um, yeah, you know, I think every time I predator call, I learn something. Anytime I go out bear hunting, I learn something, even though I, I, I never think I know it all forever, but bear teach me a lot every time I go out. And so, you know, one, one good example, I think is this one time my older brother and I, right near the end of season. So it was like November 12th or 13th or something like that. It was getting pretty late in the season. Our end of season is November 15th. Okay. And we went up to this snowy mountain pass area and it was a cold, cold morning. You know, the, the water vapor that was in the air was just like little crystals, ice crystals floating around. It was very pretty, very cold, very clear. And we hike in oh, a ways and there's probably a foot of snow plus and, and I sit down on this valley, I guess, with a creek at the bottom. And across the valley is rocky, and there's little clumps of trees and stuff. And you can see, like, tracks that lead up to these certain clumps. And I call them bear apartments because I honestly think that a lot of those were little denning areas for the bear. Okay. And behind us was a steep, rocky area with some brush and then, like, a tree line. And I go, well, I'm going to call down in here and see if we can't get some of those bear coming out of the dens. So I put my brother down to my right, you know, like 70, 80 yards or something and just out of sight, but I knew where I was and I wasn't going to be shooting in that direction. And then I'm predator calling down into this thing. And so call him for a while and I might get this wrong. I, I've wrote this story in the book, but the timing might be a little bit off. So forgive me. It's been a while since I've told this, but anyway, I was predator calling and it was cold and I was getting freezing. So I stood up to kind of shake that off. And then I sit back down and then I predator call for another like 15 minutes. And this is, this took about an hour. And then, uh, near the end of the 15 minutes, I was like, all right, nothing's coming in. No coyotes, no nothing. I'm going to call it good. And so I go to stand up and I hear a shot and I was thinking it was a coyote for some reason. And I says, Hey, what was it? My brother says it's a bear. Stay right there. So I stayed there and then we end up meeting up. And what had happened was, is when I first stood up, when I was first cold, my brother was cold too. And he, when he heard me stop calling, he thought I was going to be done. So he stood up, he turned around and I actually had a bear about 15 yards behind me oh, shit. That, 
that I never saw to this day and I wouldn't have seen unless he was there with me. And so when he started walking up to go see me, the bear caught his movement, who was focused on me because I was making all the noise, caught his movement and then ran off up into the trees behind us. So then David was flustered and, you know, he's like, I can't believe I screwed that up. And then he hears me start calling again. So he he sits back down. I sit back down. I'm calling. And another bear came out of the tree line, a different one. And ran down the creek and was coming right at me. And David turned around and he shot that one. And it, you know, tumbled into the to the rocks and whatnot. We ended up getting that. But the point of the story is I called in two bear that day, neither of which I would have saw or known that I had called in if it wasn't for a second person. Right. And so that really taught me like, hey, you know, an extra set of eyes definitely helps out. And just because you didn't see something doesn't mean you didn't call it in. You just didn't see it. Yeah. No, I, you know, that's something that I think about all the time. I'm like, I didn't see one come. I didn't see any coyotes. I didn't see anything come in. And I'm like, how many came in and just got to a certain spot and decided, eh, I don't like the situation. Turn around left. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's crazy. Like last summer I, I was predator calling for bear uh, with my son mm-hmm. and we had one coming in out of this tree line. And he was noisy and the birds were going nuts around him and everything. He came into like 20 yards, but it was like super thick. It wasn't my favorite setup, but, you know, I was like, I'm going to call it anyway. And the bear was shaking a tree about 20 yards from my son, and we still couldn't get a shot. And then something he didn't like, like a whiff maybe, or he, you know, something, his, his spidey senses kicked in. And he just like, just melted, you know, like not a, not a branch broke. Nothing. Right. And it's just amazing to me how they can just melt away like that. Yeah, that's crazy. It always amazes me how quiet bears are. They're just like, even when I've like sat on bait and stuff in Canada, they're like, you're just sitting there and then all of a sudden, whoop, there's a freaking bear right there. Like <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere, you know, yeah. didn't see it coming up, didn't hear it walk in, nothing, just boom. There it is out of nowhere. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, I uh, I was actually, it was in Quebec. And I'm like, you know, I'm like looking around, just waiting. A couple hours gone by and I'm like, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm like, I can't stand this sitting on a stand and waiting on bait shit. This is killing me. And then all of a sudden I heard a little clink right below me. And I'm like, what the look below me and the bear is leaning up against the ladder of the ladder stand and i'm like (laughs) motherfucker where the hell did you come from i didn't hear him coming from behind nothing you know i'm like yeah that's some scary shit right there (laughs) and you know it it's so funny to me how funny or amazing i think it's more amazing how they can do that i mean they're they're a heavy animal they have broad pads and you know i can't walk 10 feet without making some sort of racket. You know what I mean? Like right. something's going to snap or a rustle. Man, they can just creep in on you like that. They yeah, I don't know how they don't bra- snap branches like that. Yeah, I get, I get, you know, maybe the pads quiet everything down, but like, I don't know. It's funny. I've heard cats come in, you know, louder than, than a bear. It's, it's, it's pretty nuts. One of the things when you were telling your story and, and giving the example of having a second pair of eyes, actually reminds me of why I now, when I get done doing a set for predator calling, 
I always stand up slow. I leave all my stuff behind me and I take my weapon to go get my, go retrieve my call. It's because a few years back I was calling with my father-in-law and I didn't do it. It was a very short set, maybe 15 minutes and nothing had came in. And I was like, I was like, oh, I was for certain I was going to, coyote was going to come running in, but no. And then, so I'm sitting there talking to him real quiet. You know, we were only sitting like 10 yards apart. He walked over to me and we're standing there where I was, had been sitting and we're just, you know, whispering. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get the call. And I started walking over to the call. And as I'm walking over to call, I see this coyote. He's just loping in. And this is, I had the call had been shut off for five minutes already at this point. This coyote was coming in to check out, you know, what, what all the noise was. Yeah. And he saw me stopped and I, you know, I was at my shotgun at the time. So I took a long shot and I didn't get him. But, um, yeah, it's funny. So I'm like, now I'm like, always, 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 you know, when I get up to go get the call or whatever, I'm always scanning and I'm like, oh shit, there's one over there. But a lot of times, see, I, I mostly bow hunt when I do, you know, when I'm calling for coyotes and stuff like that, I bow hunt, I prefer it. And if I'm not, I'm using a shotgun. So, you know, shorter range. But many times if I had a rifle, it was, you know, done deal for sure. Yeah. So. And I, I always get a little, oh, not antsy, but extra aware because, you know, you're sitting still for so long and you're ringing the dinner bell. And as soon as you start moving, you know, they're going to key in on that. Mm-hmm. And so when you stand up, you you should be ready for what might happen. You right. know, cats especially. Cats are always looking for that movement. Oh, yeah. And cats are notorious for coming, stalking in and just stopping and waiting and scanning yes. the area and waiting for movement. <laughs> Sitting there looking at yeah, yeah. 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 I, I've only called in like two mountain lions in all my years, but I've called in quite a bit of bobcats. And that's always like, not always, but a lot of times they'll come in and they'll just sit there 30 yards and just sit and wait, look, look, and look. And like, I hear the noise, but I don't see any movement. What's going on? You know? Yeah. I don't use it. I don't use like a, well, I just started again using like a little. Mojo uh, critter? Yeah, something like that. I, I yeah. use the one that comes on the Fox Pro. I had a hawk take that off one time. Oh, yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah, just flew off with it. I've heard that before. I've actually, <laughs> I've had my electronic call picked up and ran with several times by <laughs> coyotes, by javelina, had a koi dog do it. I've had crows land on top of it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I actually got teeth mark. Well, yeah, I got a couple of Havelina teeth marks in, in one of my there. calls. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, nice. pretty nuts. Anyway, so um, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Washington. You know, I've been putting a couple of videos out there. It's the simplest way I can put it to those that are listening is that we have a situation over there where the foxes are guarding the head and house and you have anti-hunting people that are on on the commission and they're ignoring sound science they're ignoring what the people are asking them and just doing what they want so you're kind of been a little bit closer to the 
to the situation, I'd like to hear what your your take is on the whole the whole deal. I would say that's a pretty accurate description. You know, not not everyone on the commission is anti hunting. No, that's true. And, and my hope is is that some of the newer ones will have an open mind about the whole situation. But I, you know, from the last vote, I don't think they will. So for your listeners, we lost the spring bear hunt for 2022. Yeah, I was going to um, say, maybe we should st- start from the beginning. Yeah, so... It, and that was, it, a te- that was based on a technicality, but I'm, I'm thinking it was uh, a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's policy through... Yeah. Um, or, you know, agenda through policy type of thing. Yep. So, you know, back in 2021, we were supposed to just have just a minor thing, you know, updated text on the rule from year to year they change it from 2021 to 2022 and so on and so forth and then maybe like a loss of a couple permits and went to a 4-4 tie vote the tie vote automatically is like a, a no continuance one of the no voters resigned between then and when a legal petition was submitted by the inland wildlife council that petition requested that hey let's just take away the rule that we have to change it from year to year to make the government more efficient which we all know they love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and to appease uh, the anti-hunting people and, and hunters alike, uh, make it illegal to shoot sows with cubs in the state of Washington. So right now it's frowned upon. You can okay, do it's it illegal, legally. It's illegal but, here. Okay. But yeah, but nobody, I mean, nobody does that. Nobody wants to waste their tag on a, on a, on a cub. Right. And no hunter that I know of, nor what I want to associate with, would shoot a sow with a cub on purpose. Like right. that's not cool so that was kind of the petition that got voted um four yes three no because of the the resign of the previous no vote and so when that happened they had to restart the rule process all over again and take public comment etc and so forth so that lasted for about a month and a half during that time three new commissioners one to replace the one that resigned and two that were vacant had been appointed by our governor and that's how it works. The governor appoints the commissioners and one was, one is an environmentalist lawyer and the other two, I think are one's biologist and the other something else. But anyway, the vote came back up for that petition and it was a four yes, five, no vote. Mm -hmm. Um, And so spring bear 2022 didn't happen. And, you know, even when they were going to do that vote, one of the yes vote people, uh, Commissioner McIsaac, he could see kind of the writing on the wall. So he says, well, hey, let's let's do this. Let's reduce the permits overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're talking like 664 permits. So yeah, it's there, not, was like a me- there was an amendment proposed. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a 15% reduction of all the uh, of the permits, except for in the Blue Mountains, where the Blue Mountain elk herd is just getting decimated by predators. So they, they tagged 125 calves and only nine of them made it to their first winter. Um, it was a 70% predation against those calves, 70% of which was cougar and 15 to 20%, I think was black bear. So there was, there's issues with predators down there. Right. And the commission still voted it down. And so, you know, they talk about compromise and we got to, you know, view all sides and I get it. But the compromise I think for us was let's make killing cubs and sows illegal or sows with cubs illegal. Mm-hmm. And, and we're all fine with that. Like I didn't see one hunter say, no, that sucks. You know, I want to go yeah. and shoot a sow with a no, cub. Nobody wants to do that. 
Right. And so that's a compromise. And even the reduction in permits would have been a compromise. But again, that was shut down. They didn't allow they didn't allow one permit out of 600 and some odd to continue. Yeah. Which to me is not a compromise. It's a complete shutdown. Right. And, you know, actions speak louder than words. I have heard that, you know, they consider everyone to be very pro hunting on that commission. And I would beg to differ. Oh, definitely not. And definitely the company that you keep, you know, if it's almost like a loss for words for me in, in, in this situation, it's just so frustrating to see it play out this way. And, you know, it's not just the loss of spring bear. Spring bear isn't something that I have done every year. I've only been drawn for it twice. I've probably hunted spring bear like a total of a week and a half in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I've fought for this with much more effort and energy and time every time I've, I've hunted for spring bear. Right. But, but the point is, is if they're willing to take out a complete season that only deals with six-tenths of the overall population of bear – what are they going to do with fall bear, you know, yeah. where it's over the counter, where you're taking 2,000 bear or something to that effect, and spring bear, you're only taking 145 bear. Right. So that's my big Which concern. is still not anywhere near the quota that was set as a, you know, sustainable take for the carrying capacity that they wanted to keep the bears at. Right. Not, it, even, you know, not even close. Not even Not even close. It was, it was, it's very sustainable you know there's 60 plus years of data that support all this and a 100 page document i mean it's right. it's completely ignoring the science that was supplied to them by expert biologists yep you know one of the ladies is a lawyer right she's an environmentalist lawyer and i i feel like yeah i've seen i've seen matlock right yeah but i'm not going to be in charge of the bar association yeah she doesn't hunt so why is she in charge of policy it's just it's so frustrating right that this this is my thing here like i think there should be a standardized rubric or standardized uh, you know set of criteria that all the governors that are appointing people uh people in this position should should follow like i actually have it all written out and I think Alpha Wildlife's going to get involved in it here as soon as bill season's over, and we're going to start petitioning all these and put some pressure on all these uh, on all these governors that there should be this written into law. You know that okay, so basically that they should be sportsmen or women. That's number one, and verified. And not just because they had that license for one year or two years or whatever, that doesn't qualify you. You know, there should be a qualification process. I don't think that, I think there should be a political thing put in there. So like if you, in case of Washington, there's, there's nine commissioners, correct? Yes. Um, here in Arizona, they have five. They always do an odd number so that the vote doesn't end up like the four, four that you guys had, but you guys had that vote because there was a commissioner missing, right? Pete. That. Correct. It was it was vacant for quite yeah. some time, right? And then when that petition, legal petition, got passed to reinstate Spring Bear, real quick, three commissioners got assigned. You know, within like a month and a half. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, you know, how does that work? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, but um, 
yeah, definitely. There's definitely there's some stuff going on over there. But my my whole point is, we're I think we're going to get involved and kind of force the hopefully force the hand of of people to start appointing people that are should be in the right position for this. I know I was getting at it, the political thing is you shouldn't have more than you know if you, in, in the case of Washington you shouldn't have more than five from one political party. Like that's another thing, you know, it shouldn't be, it should be, it, hopefully, you know, you can, you have half and half, but you can't do that because, you know, there's a, it's an odd number, but like, it shouldn't be so heavily skews, skewed, like where you have eight people from one political party and only one person from another on these, you know, on, in a commission. This is, these are people that are directing, you know, the outcome of so many different animals and how many different jobs and people that are associated with, you know, that hunting structure. And I, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be done right. And it's not going to be done right. If you're just putting your friend, you know, friend in there just so they can have a paid position, you know, I don't right. know. Like, or, or, you know, they can take mostly it's probably because they're trying to, you know, push whatever agenda that they have. Okay. I'm That's put exactly this person there, a person that. I mean, it, Lorna Smith, I'll call it her out. I don't give a shit. I mean, she was like top big wig of Western wildlife outreach. And isn't her husband still associated with them? Her, her husband is still associated with that, correct? Yeah. They're an anti hunting group. They're, I mean, they kind of. They kind of parade as not so much an anti-hunting group, but they're an anti-hunting group, hundred percent. And they're they're buddy buddies with Washington Wildlife First, who is a blatant anti-hunting group. Yeah. So I mean, and, how, how could you put somebody who is on that board in a game and fish commission position? That was, you know, that's what kind of brought me into this whole thing in the first place. Was I? I complained to the commission about that no vote situation and to her credit commissioner smith got back to me and said you know i i find spring bear hunting unethical and you know that in in her opinion and right, right there that was a, a major red flag like all right so what what scientific fact will change that mindset in you no because if you find something unethical you know it, it's probably not going to change because you it's, right. it's ethics right there's a oh, but you know and then during her during her appointment appointee confirmation with the senate or with the natural resource committee she said under oath that she has nothing personally against bear hunting and yet she can see that you know she finds right. spring bear hunting unethical it the whole thing is mind-boggling to me it really yeah. is how, how this can happen well um, i mean look at the rest of the country man <laughs> They're, they're doing shit right in front of our faces and, and, and getting away with it. Come on. Yeah. It's not, no, it's really not that mind boggling or not that, uh, you know, far fetched to, to, to see this stuff happening, but, uh, it's just terrible. It's a terrible situation. And, you know, if we don't start taking some measures to protect, you know, I heard you saying before in a compromise compromise. And all I kept thinking in my head is, is it really a compromise when it's always our side that has to give something up? No, I, I mean, you know, that's a valid point. Like I, I hate giving those people an inch on anything, but you know, with, with the, with the sow and the cub situation. Yeah. You know, as a, as a, yeah, no, that, that, that particular, 
yes yeah, yeah like i'm i'm totally fine with that but if it's you know if it's a compromise of well you know something else because you give them an inch they're going to want a mile right um and it's it's never good enough it's the same way with gun control yeah um and that's a whole other topic in itself but you know you give them an inch they're going to take a mile right that's for sure well, anyway, I don't want to take this podcast down a very deep, dark road because um, I could probably sit here and rant and rave about this shit all day. But yeah, anyway, I just uh, we'll we'll leave it at that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, totally fine. Well, why don't you give us a little uh, rundown where people can find you and uh, get a hold of your books and so on and so forth? And uh, oh, you can find the books uh, on Amazon. Now, now, real quick. So no, uh, no bait, just bears. That was like a, a, a self-published, my very first attempt at doing anything. And, you know, it, it could probably use some editing and this and that. But I always advise people, hey, get the ultimate guide to black bear hunting because that, that book contains everything that no bait has in it. And it's more refined and there's a lot more to it. You know, I, I don't set the price on Amazon. No bait has it at like or Amazon has no bait at like 48 bucks, basically. Mm. And I wouldn't pay that personally and i'm the guy who wrote the book so your better value is ultimate guide to black bear hunting as far as where people can find me i'm on facebook just douglas bows you can find me on instagram that's where i mainly am and that's bows and bears b-o-z-e and bears really that's about just about it you know if, if any of your listeners have any questions about bear hunting or anything like that feel free to hit me up i'm always happy to discuss and to give advice right or wrong but i would just encourage everybody no matter what state you're in no matter what providence you're in you know, really be vocal and stand up and pay attention to what is going on in your area as far as hunting rights, fishing rights, because we have got to start mobilizing. Yep. And HAL.org or HALFAWILDLIFE.org is a great way to do it. Um, I fully support them. Absolutely. But yeah, we, we, we've we got to get moving on this. Everybody just stand up and pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I'm sure I'll chat with you soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.